everybody. My name is Janelle Crothers. I'm a technical evangelist here at Microsoft, and today I'm here talking to Ed Bott, author and Windows expert. Welcome, Ed. It's a pleasure to be here, Janelle. It's so nice to have you. I feel like I haven't talked to you in years from back when we were, uh, you know, MVPs together, you know, several years ago. So it's really fun to have you on the show. Yeah, you got your blue badge and we don't get to talk as often. I know. It's not, it's not nearly as fun. But um, what's ex what I think is pretty exciting, you just finished up a Windows 10 ebook. So tell me about how, the, how, did, that, how did that go? <laughs> uh, that was an interesting project. It's called Introducing Windows 10 for IT Professionals. And it's actually a book that uh, we wrote in, that we published in two phases. The first phase came out last year in 2015 around, uh, I think, April or so, while uh, Windows 10 was still in the preview program. And so there were a lot of features that were unfinished, especially on the enterprise side. But we did a preview edition of it then that was uh, roughly 100 to 120 pages. And then uh, this past, I think in, in January, this book, uh, the very end of January, this book came out. Uh, and this was the final edition that was based on uh, Windows 10 version 1511, one that came out in November that is chock full of enterprise features. And I was under the, you know, I was under the belief that, oh, okay, well, you know, sometime in November I can finish this book. And then, uh, you know, because the Windows 10 was released in July, right? So right. that'll give me plenty of time. Well, as it turns out, the number of changes, the amount of change that was in that November release was really significant. And most of the documentation for it didn't drop until November as well. So I spent uh, most of uh, my Thanksgiving and other holidays uh, <laughs> oh, wow. at the end of the year, you know, basically reading, testing, um, taking notes and uh, and then finally you know got to start writing around around the New Year's time and finished it uh, at the end of January but you know it's a really really fun project we've had great feedback on it so far and of course because it's free uh, there's no reason why everyone shouldn't just go out and download a copy of it no that's totally it's great that it's free because I mean I think one of the challenges with um, learning Windows or any operating system at this point I mean I remember I used to go out and I'd buy a book and I'd read it and it would hold me for two, three years, I'd be using that operating system and really getting to know it. And now everything's changing so quickly, so to have to keep going out and you know buying a new book every time it changes, having a free ebook makes that you know certainly really easy. Yeah, I think there's there's uh, that's something that uh, my fellow book authors and I are struggling with is the way that the pace of change in software has accelerated. So by the time you, you know, if you do a, a book, our, our big massive inside out books, uh, you know, we finish one of those and by the time it gets onto the shelves, there's parts of it that are out of date. Uh, but what can you do? In this book, we deliberately tried to keep it at a level of introductory material with the, the idea being that, you know, a lot of IT pros have still only kicked the tires on, on Windows 10. A lot of organizations are still standardized on Windows 7. Some are, you know, in the midst of deployments that involve Windows 8.1 and, you know, they might have, they might have Windows 10 on a, on a test system somewhere, but they haven't really looked at the enterprise features of it. You know, you're not going to do that at, uh, yeah, some IT pros have, uh, you know, domain servers in their home, but, you know, most don't. 
And so, you know, so, so we tried to do this one from a conceptual point of view, introducing what, uh, you know, some of the big concepts are for Windows 10 and, and how they'll change the way that you, know, you do deployment and management in an enterprise. Yeah, it's definitely going to change a lot. I have to ask, how many domain servers do you have at home? <laughs> at the moment, I only have two. I, I feel, uh, but but you know, FedEx is going to be ringing the doorbell here pretty soon with another with a brand new uh, server box, and you know, so you know, I'll, I'll be able to build a you know build another domain controller for the next book. <laughs> yeah, there, there there you go. So now, one of the things with Windows 10 and a lot of the enterprise challenges, you know, with a lot of the enterprise stuff not coming in really until November, and you know, there's group policies involved. There's a whole bunch of stuff kind of around telemetry, and we keep hearing that it keeps coming up, people get up in arms about it in various reason, you know, reasons, and you've actually had a couple articles out there recently kind of hammering, you know, the purpose of the telemetry and stuff. What, what are you feeling about people when it comes to, like, their ideas about telemetry? Well, you know, it's a, it's a complicated subject. We, one of the things about the software landscape right now, and this includes a lot of, a, a lot of companies that we typically don't think of as software companies. You know, if you buy a new Tesla, for example, <laughs> that's, that's software. That, you know, right. There's an awful lot of software in a Tesla, and there's an awful lot of telemetry that's going in real time between that car as you drive. And in turn, they're sending updates automatically to uh, Tesla vehicles. Uh, you know, so it's very similar to the way that right. Windows 10 is being designed. And they, it's a... Uh, it's called data-driven design, and it used to be that you had a product manager and a program manager together, and they got together with a whiteboard, and maybe they did some usability testing, and maybe they did some interviews with customers, and then they put together a feature list, and then they started developing it, and then when, when the thing went out into the world, you got feedback from customers about features, and then you got feedback about how well your software worked through your support lines. And those are really um, not great ways to get reliable feedback quickly that you can respond to. So the way that Windows 10 works and many, many other software products right. is... You've got that Internet of Things. I mean, everything. Exactly. Yeah. Is, is there's a constant feedback loop between client devices and, and Microsoft servers. Now, some of the feedback that's going there is stuff that you've opted into, things like OneDrive and, uh, you know, your Exchange server, uh, your Office 365, uh, any third-party services that you have. You're going to be exchanging data all the time with cloud-based services. That's the world that we live in. Uh, but there's, a, there's another component, uh, the universal telemetry component, it's called. Um, and it has a it has a fancy name in the services control panel, but its short name is Diag Track, Diagnostic Tracking. And and so what it does is it you know if you're on a if you're on a a free network, on AC power, four times an hour it sends a little uh, a little burst of information to uh, to the telemetry servers, and all of that information says is you know uh, are there any reliability problems. Have there been any recent crashes or hangs? Have you installed any new software? Uh, are have, have you know have there has your network connection been reliable? It's basically just uh, kind of heartbeat type stuff. Mm -hmm. Now at higher levels of telemetry and the default level 
for consumers is the highest one of all. There's also information about uh, kind of programs that you have installed, how often you're using them, um, if you've had any crash reports, uh, if you've had any crashes or hangs, the crash dumps will be more detailed than those at the more basic telemetry levels and, and such. And so as a result, that's how Microsoft's product planners and executives can do big blog posts that say, hey, you know, we know that uh, 43%, uh, making this number up, but, you know, 43% of our customers used Microsoft Edge last month, and, you know, 37% of you are connected to an Outlook.com account and, you know, things like that. They know that because that information is aggregated and anonymous. And that's also how like the insider program works. I mean, we were able to make changes to the software so quickly and kind of determine what features are working because that program is also bringing back a whole other slew of telemetry that goes into its certain buckets and things like that. Right. People who are in the insider program are opted into the highest level of telemetry for obvious reasons. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to get early access to the, the new builds, uh, part of the deal of that is in exchange you provide detailed feedback, most of it automatic, but some of it, um, some of it manual as well. Now, so to get to the part of it where, you know, some people are really kind of up in arms about this, they want the ability to turn it off. Um, and to a certain extent you can turn almost all of it off, especially in an enterprise. If you, you know, if you have uh, enterprise edition with group policy, there's a fourth telemetry setting level that you can enable for your organization that is uh, called security. And basically the only telemetry information that it sends is the, the fact that you have telemetry set to, to its lowest level, right. whether or not you have uh, Windows Defender enabled, whether or not you have run the uh, malicious software removal tool, and, and that's it. No crash reports, no, no nothing after that, if you're at that. And that's, that setting was introduced with version 15.11 because there were a lot of enterprises who said, we want strict control over what's, what's leaving our network. We want to avoid even the possibility that there could be accidental leakage of information that, um, you know, that could, you know, be problematic. And that's, you know, especially true for people in regulated industries like banking and uh, pharmaceuticals and things like that. So that's why that option is in there. For consumers and small businesses, you have this level called basic, which, uh, you know, the, the crash reports don't include any uh, any memory dumps, so there's un so it's unlikely that there would be any personal information that's there, and even there, even at all of the levels, all of the telemetry information goes to dedicated servers that are completely removed from, you know, the production servers right. and the things that are involved with advertising and so on. You know, these are only accessible to a handful of people who are able to prove a business need for it, and they're primarily used for product planning and bug fixing. And for those engineers to kind of look at and see what's see what's going on. Right. So there's something else with that. I was looking at the enterprise settings myself uh, not too long ago, and there's another key reason why you want to be able to, you know, control telemetry or not. From an enterprise, your 
probably managing your updates and things like that with WSUS or System Center, and you're already managing that. But if you're not, the, you need to be running at least the basic telemetry to take advantage of the Windows update services. That's absolutely correct. Um, you know, people talk about, well, is, you know, is telemetry, why is it sending back all this information? Well, one, two pieces of information that are really important is what's in your system? Do you have uh, a, a, do you have an NVIDIA graphics card for which there's a new driver? Uh, you, you know, if there's a new driver on the, the Windows Update servers and it's going to fix a problem that's been causing crashing for, uh, for customers with, with the version that you have installed, there's no way the Windows Update servers would know that unless your system can send the information that I have an NVIDIA graphics card running driver version, you know, 171.45, whatever. Uh, you have to have that. And then at the end of the process, there has to be a way for Windows to communicate back and say, yes, this update and this update and this update either installed successfully or didn't install successfully. And if they didn't install successfully, then you know, you're gonna retry the update or you're gonna launch you know, additional troubleshooting measures. But that's all, that's all part of telemetry. Right, and then that, the updates also ties in to this whole, you know, the rest of this data-driven data kind of life cycle. You know, we're talking about, you know, constant different branches of Windows 10 that you manage or control or as a consumer just take the, you know, most recent one and all of that, you know, ties into that functionality as well. Right, so, that, so there's now uh, the current branch, which is the one that, you know, if you just install Windows 10 or buy a new PC with Windows 10 on it, you'll get the current branch. Uh, and so that was uh, build 10240 in July of 2015, and then build 10586 or version 1511 as, right. as the new version numbering started yeah. in, uh, in November of, of 2015. And then there will be another current branch release sometime in the, in the first half of 2016. And meanwhile, there's the current branch for business, for right, businesses is, that are more conservative that say, we don't, we don't necessarily want the new features. We want things that are more reliable, have been tested for longer. And so, in fact, version 1511 from last November still hasn't been pushed out to the current branch for business. So by the time that goes out, let's let's assume that that's probably going to come out in March. Right. Uh, by the time that comes out, it will have had four additional months of testing and bug fixes and and various improvements, so that business customers who get that won't be in that early wave. They'll be able to say, okay, I've got a nice, well-tested product. Right, it allows them to sort of kind of slow their roll a little bit. The almost in the same way that we used to do back in the day, I feel like when you kind of waited for the next service pack or something. You just sort of want to slow it down just a little bit to see how things are going kind of in the rest of the world. Yeah, it used to be the common wisdom, you know, the conventional wisdom was, you know, wait for service pack one. Uh, but there isn't there's no such thing as as service pack one anymore. Um, and and in fact the other thing that's changing is, you know, although the 10-year the support cycle right. for all of Microsoft's software, Windows and Office, is, is, is still there, it's changing. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's changing because right now I think there's four 
four operating four versions of Windows that are being actively supported. Windows Vista still being supported. Really? <laughs> it's in the final it's in the final year of extended support. Uh, Windows 7 still has until 2020. Windows 8.1 Windows 8 is out is no longer supported at all. Windows 8.1 will be supported until 2023. And then, uh, and, and then uh, by the time that comes along, then it will only be Windows 10 because the idea is by that point, you'll be on Windows 10 build whatever. There won't right. be an 11. It, this one won't go to 11. <laughs> yeah, so so you're, you're firmly in the camp that there's not going to be another version of Windows after this one. Another well, Windows the, 10, yeah. That's the stated plan of record. Now, as, right, yeah. <laughs> as, as, as we longtime Microsoft watchers know, uh, <laughs> you know, plans can change. Right, right. Uh, you know, but, you know, the, look, the future is about delivery of software and services via the cloud. And so the idea is you want to have continuous improvement in something. So really having... Uh, you know, these sort of big bang releases where you wait for three years and then put a whole bunch of new features in it and, um, and you know, drop this with a thud on people's yes. desktops. That doesn't, that doesn't really work anymore. So the idea, you know, the idea, so at, perhaps at some point the branding and the naming might change, but the reality is that, you know, Windows is going to be, you know, the Windows that we have today is a direct evolutionary descendant of what we had 20 years ago, 15 right. years ago, 10, 5. And so in, in five years, it'll be, uh, it will have evolved more. To whatever, right, to whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, and, and the idea, now, of course, enterprise customers will be paying for a bunch of services in the form of software assurance. Which is, you know, it's a, that's a subscription-based service, and that entitles you to whatever the, whichever version of Windows you want to use that's available to you right now, you can. And so you can, you know, you can build your deployment and management plans uh, around that subscription. For consumers and small businesses, you'll just, you know, you'll get the most recent version when you go buy a new PC, and then you'll get the most recent set of updates when they come over the, the, the wire. And I wouldn't expect that there will be paid upgrades uh, for, you know, for those kind of updates. There are many, many, many more opportunities right. for people to buy things like Office and OneDrive and in terms of businesses, things like Microsoft Dynamics. And, right. There's uh, a lot of other services out there that people can take advantage of. Yeah, and that's where the that's where the future is really going to be. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. I think, you know, a lot of enterprises and those of us who've been doing this for a little while, that switch from that, you know, as you said, that thud, like here's this piece of software, learn it, become comfortable with it, you know, kind of abandoning that and just keeping people just up to date constantly is going to be a good thing, you know, from a security standpoint, you know, from a functionality standpoint, and simply, you know, from a management standpoint. Now you're not managing all these one-offs, trying to patch all these potential one-offs of versions of software that you might have. Um, I just think it's it's definitely a switch of mindset for those of us who've been doing this for a while, because I know sometimes I feel like I never feel like 
I know it. I always feel like, well, today, you know, yesterday I thought I understood this product, but three weeks from now, you know, I could have missed an email and now be no longer in the know. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. And, the, it, and you're absolutely right about the mindset having to change. There's, there's, a, there's a classic Microsoft-centric IT mindset that says, my job is to build, just sculpt this perfect image. Set just it and forget it. it. Yeah. Just get it just right and then set it, send it out there into the world and, and then protect it yes. from, <laughs> from any kind of change until, you know, and, and, until, until two or three years, yeah. yeah, two or three years comes along. But, the, but then, you know, that requires uh, a, a level of deployment management that is, you know, kind of like a military campaign. Yeah. And so if, if, you know, once you accept the idea of continuous change and continuous delivery of updates and that you're going to manage them in smaller waves whether that rather than big giant crashing waves like you know the ones that surfers live for uh, <laughs> you know, if, you, if you just think of those nice gentle occasional waves coming out there it, it actually does seem to be easier and I hope that as this experiment continues over time that 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 turns out to be true. I, you know, I, I agree that I think it will, partially because all of our enterprise end users are also consumers from, you know, other parts of their life. And consumers have gotten really kind of used to, you know, oh, you know, your phone has an update, press go, or, you know, the newest version of whatever application, you know, click that app and go. And you're sort of comfortable with that and actually expect that experience to come more into the office environment, you know, to be able to kind of have that same experience, be able to bring their devices and, you know, enjoy that in the same way. So it's just a matter of the enterprise now really kind of catching up. Yeah, that's that's uh, about 90% of it. And I think the other 10% of it is uh, people are also accustomed to using web services that change on them uh, without them having to install or do anything. All of a sudden, Poof! There's a new feature for right. you. Where did that, that button and, come from? <laughs> and, and so, and and we're used to seeing from you know from Microsoft and from other software companies. You go visit a page, and there's a little thing that that pops up that says, "Hey, we've changed this, this. We've added this feature." And then usually the button at the bottom says, "Got it." You know? Right. And it's, yeah. if there's no longer OK and cancel. There's just got it. Yes. Know? Yes. I must. Yes. I I accept this change. So. <laughs> So yeah, I think it's definitely going to be you know interesting to see how enterprise and end users and how Windows 10 kind of evolves over the next you know five years because the last five years have been so kind of altering. It has been um, it has been mind-boggling to watch the pace of change in the uh, in in the past five years in this space. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Well, Ed, it has been so much fun talking to you today. Thanks for taking the time. And if I'm ever out your way, I'm definitely going to hit you up for some coffee. And if you're ever over here in the Bay Area, definitely give me a shout. It's a deal, Janelle. Good talking to you. You can take care. Thanks. Bye.